Welcome to More Than Movies. I'm Ivana. I'm Jay. Today we talk about best actor comebacks and AI. We also review The Dark Tower and revisit a classic movie. It's time for a top three turf war. All right, this Friday we have Snatched coming up. And because it stars Goldie Hawn and we haven't seen or heard anything about Goldie Hawn. In a while. In a while. We thought, hey, will this be the movie to bring Goldie Hawn back to us forever? And that got us thinking. What about best comeback movies for actors? Of all time, the best like stories of they took a role on and then it propelled them to fame. Exactly. They had it before. They kind of went away for a little bit. And all of a sudden, they're back in the public eye. Yeah. So we've got three. And we're going to start with Ivana. What is your number three ever? All time. Neil Patrick Harris. In? In Harold and Kumar to bring back his career. And How I Met Your Mother to bring him back to that sort of like real public perception space. That's my number three. That's your number three? <laughs> Amazing. Yep. We never, ever actually like I know. agree. <laughs> Not this soon anyways, but yeah, you're right. Neil Patrick Harris, he was in like Starship Troopers as a bit character before that. Like, yeah, I can't think of anything. He was he in did a, a lot, lot of, of TV. Yeah, I looked at I looked at his like in, in preparation for all of this. I kind of looked at a whole bunch of IMDb pages and he worked pretty steadily since Doogie Hauser, which obviously was his big thing. But it was like one episode on this show, another episode on this show, a failed show that got canceled within a season, like that kind of stuff. So I think that he really did go down in terms of notoriety and like the big name and How I Met Your Mother really propelled him to fame. But Harold and Kumar got him that start. Exactly. He wouldn't have gotten How I Met Your Mother without Harold and Kumar. Harold and Kumar was the thing that you're like, shit, yeah, he's funny. And the fact that he's able to make fun of himself Awesome. Even better. And he and that's been everything that he's done in Harold and Kumar since. Exactly. And in fact, every Harold and Kumar, he just gets better and better. And he really does. I love him in those movies. And I love those movies. All right. So since we share number three, what's your number two? My number two is Matthew McConaughey. And I say his career came back with Ed TV and his notoriety and perception came back with Lincoln Lawyer. I don't know if I'd agree with that. I think Matthew McConaughey came back, like, was really noticed in True Detective. Yeah, but, like, Lincoln Lawyer was only a couple years before. I loved it. And he got a whole, didn't he get, like, an Oscar nod? No. Also, what about... Um, Not for Lincoln Lawyer. What about the, uh, the one where... He did Dallas Buyers Club that got him the Oscar. Right. Dallas Buyers Club, was that before or after? after? It was after True Detective. It was after True Detective. It was after Lincoln Lawyer. But hey, Matthew McConaughey has certainly had a massive resurgence. Literally, we just watched the trailer for The Dark Tower. He's going to be the main antagonist in the film. And that's going to be what I think, you know, we'll get there. But I think it's going to be a big film. Oh, it's going to be a huge film. And Matthew McConaughey has small little roots uh, but I'm interested to know like why you think Ed TV since it was so overshadowed by the Truman show. Yeah, but the fact is he was the lead in it and Ed from Ed TV and on he started to work again like in bigger roles. They tended to be like 
uh, movies that were not very respected, though. So that's why I wouldn't say that they're the big comeback. He kind of really disappeared for a while. Then he did at TV. And then all of a sudden he was doing 10 Things I Hate About You. No, sorry. 10 no. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Yes. Wedding Planner. A Fool's whole, Gold. Yeah. He did a whole bunch of these like rom-coms. And then... I think Lincoln Lawyer was the big switch. He did Lincoln Lawyer. That was a really, really big movie. It did pretty well in box office and everything. And then that propelled him to get like, you know, True Detective, uh, Dallas Buyers Club, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Hey, I, like I'll buy it. I. Uh, what movie would you, and you think that like it was I, True Detective. I just Detective. think True Detective. People saw him as in a different way. It was the first time that his brand was... Uh, you know, a little refocused. Uh, he was really acting in that film. Lincoln Lawyer, he acts like, like the way he did in the Time to Kill, except he's in a, he's in a stretch limo. What like or a a, Link, a Lincoln working all day. I love the Lincoln Lawyer. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it's one. It was one of my favorite films of that year. I don't think a lot of people saw The Lincoln Lawyer. It's one of the movies that I always suggest to people. Right. If they're looking for something like, have you seen The Lincoln Lawyer? Because it's a great movie. Um, yeah, it is. It's a really good movie. And I'd argue The Lincoln Lawyer, if if it was bigger, maybe did more for Ryan Philippe's career than anything else because it. then he was all of a sudden in Shooter. And he was in the... Uh, the there was a, another TV series that he was just recently in. But... You know what? I, I like that Matthew McConaughey is on this list. He's definitely had a resurgence. I he mean, did go away. It made like almost it made almost 60 million. No, 60 million dollars in the U.S., which was profit. Like it, the yeah. estimated budget was 40. So I think it I think it was successful enough that to me, it brought him into the forefront anyway. Definitely got people thinking. My number two, we've had a lot of discussion about it before this. It is John Travolta in Pulp Fiction. And I think John Travolta in Pulp Fiction is is one of the classic comebacks. Um, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, look who's talking. He yeah. was in three, look who's talking before then. Yeah, I, I would say, but he's on my list, actually. He's in my number one. So Well, you, we could wait. No, no, no. <laughs> We're going to talk about him in a, you know. Uh, so I, I agree. I think he made a great comeback. He was really huge in Greece. Like and he was, he was making. That other dancing one, The Fever. Saturday Night Fever. And That's then he it. did. Um, Greece. There was a sequel to Saturday Night Fever called Staying Alive. And people didn't love it. And it wasn't one of the more respectable, you know, films that Travolta had done. And then he kind of went into doing these smaller films like this, the De Palma film Blowout, which is amazing. If you haven't seen Brian De Palma's Blowout, it's really good. Um, Lithgow's in it and it's, it's really good. But um, he did all these smaller films. And I would argue that Look Who's Talking is a gimmick film that follows the babies more than Travolta. Like Travolta isn't the, the standout in that. Is Bruce Willis's voice overacting on the baby more Maybe, than anything else? But for me, I guess when I look at his IMDb page, you can see that his career really took a tank. He, he always was and working. You're right. All of a sudden, but he wasn't working well until Look Who's Talking. And then once Look Who's Talking came out, suddenly he was making good money as an actor again. But then Pulp Fiction, which is on my list, that's his notoriety to come back. Once he did Pulp Fiction, people started to look at him differently. Like, I wouldn't say it was even a comeback in, in the sense of Pulp Fiction. It was like he did Grease and Saturday Night Fever were not serious movies. And so... Well, Saturday Night Fever was like 
almost it launched his career, but it also launched like I think it was the Bee Gees career. Right. And and so like but those movies, they're not exactly like deep movies. They're not no, ones no, that no, create no. like, oh, you're such a great actor. Right. And and so he did go away. He had a hard time finding good work or like work that was like respectable up until Look Who's Talking, where again, it's back to that pulpy stuff where you're not like a respected actor. But once Look Who's Talking comes up, he's working steadily from there on. And then I think the real comeback reason of Pulp Fiction, that's when he got his notoriety because that's when he suddenly got Face Off and all these other really cool movies. And he Broken was now Arrow. looked at like, he, he's now as an action hero. Somebody gives him Battlefield Earth. Like th- he's this A-lister that that gets these kind of movies that totally are ridiculously overpriced to make. He's banking, um, you know, and without Tarantino plucking him up and saying, Hey, you know what? I'm just going to stick you in here. Yeah. See what you do. And he, he nailed, he nailed Vincent it. Vega. So yeah. I'm in with that. So that's your number one. My number one is actually, um, Michael Keaton in Birdman. Oh, so Michael oh Keaton, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> that's a really good one. So Michael Keaton really hasn't been seen in years. Yeah. You know, he did Batman Returns and then he did some like multiplicity, these smaller films, and then he kind of went away. And then in Birdman, he comes back and plays basically the Batman character or the actor of a guy playing Batman. Totally. And... He's on everybody's radar. Since Birdman, which was only two years ago, he's now uh, snagged the main villain in Spider-Man Homecoming. Totally, which is really big. Beetlejuice 2 is coming out. Beetlejuice 2 is now coming out. I bet you it didn't get greenlit until Birdman came out. Absolutely. We've got The Founder, which got critical acclaim. I haven't actually seen it yet myself, but I've heard great things. Um, I cannot wait to watch to watch, you know, the founder that is definitely on my to watch list. Oh, if Becky's listening, I've told her like four times, like, well, let's watch something else for the last like three weeks uh, because it became available to rent. And I'm like, "Ah, I'm just not feeling it because I know what it's going to be. And like, but spotlight, like fucking spotlight. You know, this is uh, that's two back to back movies that made best picture. That is absolutely true. Yeah, no, he is absolutely a comeback. I think I'm just going to agree with you that he deserves the number one spot. Like as quickly as he soared, they're just giving him things now. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. He is absolutely and utterly number one comeback. So we can put Keaton at number one. We can put Keaton at number one. We can put... John Travolta, obviously, at number two. Obviously. Both of us, John Travolta, oh, well, number one for you. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so and then, the next is, do we give Neil Patrick Harris number three, or are we going to like talk about- I feel about, like McConaughey's still bigger than, than Neil Patrick Harris. He's bigger, but that doesn't mean that his comeback is more comebacky. I mean, Neil Patrick Harris- Because <sighs> like, you can't disagree that it's not a big comeback. It's hard to argue, right? Because- Neil Patrick Harris had a small role in Harold and Kumar that was the standout role in the film. Absolutely. But then he got nine seasons to wow you over in How I Met Your Mother. And then on top of that, he's now been able to get like, because Neil Patrick Harris, I would argue, is not the actor that wants to be a Matthew McConaughey or a whatever. He wants to be like on stage 
doing shows and hosting Oscar night and things like that. And that's exactly what he's doing. He got a variety show. I mean, sure, it got canceled, but like he got things. I, I tried to watch that variety show. I'm not going to lie. And did you like it? No, but I tried to watch it. I'm just not a big variety show person. There's just a lot of TV out there and game shows don't get my vote anymore. Oh, or a variety. It was a game show, not a variety. It was like four different things. It wanted to be a variety show. It was also a game show. It was all kinds of different stuff. Like it was weird. Interesting. I think it was trying to be too many things. Okay, fair. I want to see Neil Patrick Harris on a talk show. Uh, no, I like him singing. I, I, I like him doing his thing. Actually, he could be a good late night, late night host. Don't you think it would be funny for him to... T well, he's not that funny all the time. He probably has to have his jokes written. He's no Colbert or even a Kimmel. I just don't know enough about him to pass judgment on that. I don't know enough about you, Neil Patrick Harris, but does that put him in number three? I guess I just think that he seems more comebacky to me than... Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey went from working steadily in unrespected roles into suddenly being respected, but is that a comeback? And Harold and Kumar had one mo one moment of glory and soared. I think it's Neil Patrick Harris. Done. All right, we've got our list. All right, let's count this down. In number three, Neil Patrick Harris in Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Number two, John Travolta in Pulp Fiction. And the number one best actor comeback is Michael Keaton in Birdman. What? Do you have any honorable mentions? You know what? I didn't really. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to throw it out there. Drew Barrymore. I just don't think she scream. had a comeback. She didn't. She never went away. I had a lot of like people I thought were really cool, like Jason Bateman. But again, I don't think he ever arrived. What about like Brando in Godfather? Did he ever go away? I don't well, know enough we about that. We had a streetcar named Desire, and then he kind of like on the waterfront happened. He was really big in that day, and then he really soared with The Godfather. Well, that's fair. I mean, I don't know enough about his career to really talk about him. Betty White, I thought about. But oh, that's a good one. She had steady work. Like, I can't. I, I really, but I had to look at IMDb talking pages. about Betty White until Lake Placid. Was that her one? I have no idea. Like, it just, she seemed like to work so steadily. Hmm. Kiefer Sutherland was one I thought about, but again, 24, sure. I just wasn't sure that he was ever there to begin with. Yeah. You know, he was big in Lost Boys in the 80s, and then I don't know. I don't he, know. And that he's he was only ever... TV. I don't think we'll ever see Kiefer back on a big, a big blockbuster movie. But does he really need to be? He works steadily and is in really respected television. So that's true. Designated Survivor, guys. It's not if you like, haven't seen it. We live in a new world. Yeah, I love Designated, designated Survivor. Survivor. It's so good. It's such a perfect next role for the guy who was Jack Bauer. I'd like to see him get more Bauerish as the president. No way. He this is a different character. He'll <laughs> know, never get more awesome Bauerish. Just like raged out once in a while. Nope, that is not the character. <laughs> but yeah, I think we live in a land where whether you're TV or film, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean you're gonna get the same amount of publicity at this point, no matter what. Guess what I did this week. Oh, I'm going to guess. You got a Manny Petty. No, have you met me? I'm like so not into that stuff. What are you talking about? I get Manny Petties. They're awesome. I, I, I don't like people. I worry about the germs and like, I don't, I don't like it. What'd you do? 
I went to see a naturopath and I went to see an acupuncturist. Okay. So an acupuncturist is the person who puts pins in you. Totally. And the naturopath is the person who tells you they if give your you poop's like, okay? Yeah. And they give you like herbal <laughs> medicines and like they make you do like weird diets. Okay. So did you get any like good feedback from either of them? Um, so then the acupuncturist was really fun. I, I don't really know whether or not it did anything. I'm going to just find out. It was very Are you relaxing gonna do it again? though. Yeah. I'm going to do it again. Would you take it in place of a massage? I don't like massages. So that, I think that so, yeah. is my in place of a massage. Cause that's I really what it does, right? It. Like it's supposed to relax those muscles. Yeah. Like it does a lot of things. And like, it was funny. She went in there and she was like, this is really going to help your digestion. And I was like, I don't need help with my digestion. <laughs> it's perfect. And then she's like, no, 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 it'll help. And I'm like, no, 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 it's perfect. And then she like went, had me get into my digestion. Yep. And she was like, oh, okay, then never mind. <laughs> like, See, I think that would help me. Yeah. So I think people who have that, like if they have bloating or like if they are constipated or poo too much, it's I think going to help, but it's supposed to make you poo more just so you know, FYI. But what's the perfect amount? Two to three times a day okay. in, in like a, a, a easy, non-painful. You just look at look up Dr. Oz. Okay. Look if up you're Dr. still Oz. with us after this disgusting moment, <laughs> I really we have a great show the rest of the show. So please stick with us. What's wrong with poop? Nothing. <laughs> and did you bleed when they put pins in you? No. No. No, no, it's not that kind of thing. Oh, good. Because I always get nervous that, like, if they put a pin in me, when they pull it out, I'm going to, like, bleed all over the place. No, 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 no. They're, like, I think that's the whole thing. It's, like, it's very particular that where they put it. It was very relaxing. I really enjoyed it. Um, and the naturopath wants me, of course, to go on this crazy elimination diet. Beer okay still? No, after this weekend, I got to give it up. You got to give up beer? And wine, too. I don't know if I can go to this doctor of yours. <laughs> I mean You gave up beer for Lent What are you yeah, talking about? Yeah I know about? And I'm I'm making up for it now Cheers 40 days of no beer this guy I have less time away from beer than you did <laughs> Hey shut up It's trailer trash Guys this past week The Stephen King The Dark Tower trailer For the movie dropped we got Idris Elba as the gunslinger. We got Matthew McConaughey. Uh, there's quite a bit of craziness going on in this trailer. Ivana, what'd you think of this? Blockbuster. Literally, that's like all I could think watching. I was like, blockbuster, 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 blockbuster. And is that a good thing? Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad thing, but I'll, I'll be honest with you. Did it like make me really excited? No. No. It did not make me super excited to see the movie. I I didn't get what I didn't get from the trailer was like I got plot and I got a lot of action, a lot of action. And this is going to be some big, huge, cool movie. But I didn't get why I should care. Now, for Stephen King fans out there, you, you got to understand neither Ivana and I have read the books. No, but we do read Stephen King, both of us, and we like him. We do love him. So I'm sure it's going to be an interesting kind of story. I just don't think this sold it. And and did, like, is the movie true to the books? I don't know. And what I've heard is they're going to take all of the books 
and just put them all into this one movie. Into one movie? That's what I've heard. Oh, that's going to be horrible. I don't know if that's true. I haven't gone online and like verified because you know me and my spoilers. Totally. But somebody who's like a big Stephen King fan told me this. So was the Dark Tower books kind of like the Green Mile books where they were novellas that like amounted to something no, big? No, each book is a novel. Oh. So I own the Gunslinger. I, I've made it about halfway through, but that's it. That means like I've made it through just like maybe in this film trailer, at least like 2% of the way through yeah. the whole story. Yeah. Like I feel like, okay. So I recently actually watched Batman V Superman and it, I mean, it's as bad as everyone says it was. And, and totally. this concept, I don't remember if we talked about it on this podcast or just in general in our lives of hanging out. Um, this idea that the movie was filled with all these like big movie moments, but that none of them were earned and like you, you didn't root for the characters. So the yeah, moment came just, and they just wanted to build iconic shots. Yeah. Like that's what the movie feels. Like. And that's what this trailer felt like. It kind of felt like right. these like moments like, Oh, look at this cool thing that happened in the dark tower. But it's like, well, why I, unless I care, I really don't care about that cool thing that happened. And if I'm going to see this, that means I'm never going to read the books. After I see the movie, going back to the book is very hard. Like I'm still really trying to get through it, the book, because I know everything that's going to happen. Is there great character development in these characters in it? Yeah, totally. Is it all leading to the same place that I've already know it's going? It is. See, I, I have the opposite view as you know like totally once you see this you're gonna go to the books exactly like first i'll see the movie then i'll go to the books and both will be great maybe but maybe if i dislike the movie a lot i probably won't go to the books absolutely so i feel like i gotta get on these books where i feel like you know i don't know there are other cool things that Stephen King... He's written so many things. I don't know if this is going to make my list. Was there anything you liked about the trailer? Uh, Idris Elba seemed awesome. He does seem awesome. And uh, the and, and Matthew McConaughey seemed fearsome. Yeah, Matthew McConaughey seemed like, to me, fine. He really reminded me in this weird way of... like It was like Matthew McConaughey as Christopher Walken. I did not realize that there's like a boy in this story going from different worlds. Yeah. He seemed okay. Like he seemed like probably just, a, a good actor and all that. But. I just, it made me think like, is this going to be like a really long never ending story where this guy goes into fantastical worlds from our world and then he brings him back. And I don't know. I feel like we've seen that quite a bit. Sure. But that doesn't bother me because like archetypal stories are rehashed over and over again. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. As long as we get great characters and Idris Elba, you always really deliver, so that gives me faith. Like, I feel like he's going to be really good at what he does, but is this final product going to actually give you great characters? I don't know. It definitely is going to give you great action, but I don't know if I'm sold because I didn't see any inkling of great characters. You know what it kind of reminded me of? Sad to say this, like a Transformers trailer. Yeah, it's like all action, super cool moments. I don't think I saw a character that I cared about. Exactly. And that, my friends, 
is why I got to read the novels. And I'm going to go see it because it's a dark tower. I've heard about this story forever. I got to go see it. But. I can see it on my television. There's no way I'm I'm seeing it in theaters. Oh wow! It has destroyed that moment for you. It just didn't look interesting enough to pay that money for. Ivana has spoken. <laughs> Obviously, everybody can just go see it on on their television. <laughs> two, times two times tech. tech. No, no, two two times. Two. So okay, right? One, two. Two times. Three. tech. No, no. Go on three and then go. One, two. Three, two times text. All right. AI has come a long way since the invention of computers. And it's only improving as we continue to embrace this technology more and more. Obviously, like AI has been in movies from the get go. And we're making new movies nowadays about new AI, like freaking Ex Machina, which was amazing. Totally. Let's talk about where we're at right now with AI. There was one story where an AI machine was actually able to beat top poker players. And I think that that's pretty cool. Poker is one of those things that it's very difficult to build a computer to build to beat humans because it means that you have to be able to predict what a human will do. And also like how do you really assess a human's face and tells and all this stuff? I'm not surprised that we're there. Are you? For poker I am. Really? I'm going to tell you why. I don't know if they need to build AI that will beat the human in poker. Because there's so many different variations of what you can do, the computer just knowing what they can do with the cards, even more so than a human, that to me is how they, is beat, how they beat somebody in poker. However, bluffing is a big part about poker. Right. So if they build bluffing into the AI, that would shock me. Well, I think they obviously did. I think that like naturally AI is going to, beat people in poker once it gets sophisticated enough because like if you read a lot about psych like behavioral psychology stuff we do a lot of things automatically and we have a lot of tells now for another human to be able to read another human's tell that is like really hard but for a computer you just go into Again, your bank yeah, of yeah. like behavioral psychology and it's really should be easy to tell if a human is bluffing or not and Based on human psychology, you can create algorithms to say when the computer should bluff or not. And the computer has a way better aspect of bluffing because there is no tell. That's right. You're just basically playing against a machine. So they don't have to do anything except say raise, bet. Totally. Fold. Yeah. That's it. Exactly. So I'm not, I'm, this to me is like easy AI fodder. Totally easy AI fodder. I think if you put in, you know, somebody up against chess, you put somebody up, which actually was a, the, the touring test way back when was actually, can we beat them in chess? Interesting. And I remember there was a documentary all about it. And when the computer lost, it was a great big, like success for humankind, but it doesn't surprise me that a, that a computer that's programmed specifically to know all the ins and outs of a game Look, when you play a board game, you may know the rules, but there's often things in there that you just kind of overlook and keep playing. Absolutely. And I got to feel like even in poker, there's probably some things that maybe even the best poker players in the world are like, I, I overlooked that just for a second. Right. You know? So that's where I, okay, that's how I can see a computer beating it out. However, when an 
a computer can predict which Supreme Court judge is going to be picked. And this happened. Now we're getting into some like telepathic craziness. Again, I think it comes down to this like behavioral psychology thing. Like I, I, I think humans are more predictable than we like to think we are. And you write the right amount of like logic into a computer plus the right amount of understanding of like these things that humans tend to do or not. And you could predict anything. But then we're looking at Ultron levels because if they're going to be able to predict, you know, who Donald Trump is going to nominate for the Supreme Court based on years of him saying the name in speeches or dropping hints or whatever, isn't it eventually going to get to the point where like, oh, I see where all of this is headed. I need to save humanity by wiping them out. I think we're not quite there yet, but that's the human fear with AI in general, right? Like, because we also see where everything is headed and we already know it's headed. Like these things can be headed to a really negative place, global warming, all this other stuff. Like we already know it. And I think the beauty of humans is that we always try to get better. Like we see the the negative and we try to go to the positive. AI isn't powerful enough yet to like replicate itself. I don't think we have to worry about dying until AI can make its own baby AIs. Then then we're in the matrix. Well, then we're going to die. Yeah, yeah. Like that. Because we're the, pl- we're the plugins for the baby machines. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, I gotta, I gotta tell you like these two stories are so interesting to me. Like I really do think the AI factor is super cool. Like Google cars and self-driving things. We're going to have like self-driving manned missions to Mars. And I think it's really going to be helpful, but yeah, you know, there's always that fear of the unknown and what could happen. Take two. All right. In this brand new segment, new segment, we're going to revisit older movies, especially ones for which we had differing opinions. So this week we decided to watch the baseball classic field of dreams. Now I remember that I didn't really love the movie. I thought I remember being like, Oh, field of dreams is so long and boring. I love this movie. I cry every time I watch it. I'm a big stupid sap. And I think I've seen it like five times in my life and I still get like the emotions at every moment. So we thought this is the perfect thing to start this new segment off. We have differing opinions. It's a movie that it's been a while since probably you've even thought about it. Uh, So we hope that you've watched it with us. There will be some spoilers in here. So you've been warned. All right. You can skip ahead to the next segment if you don't want a movie from 1986 ruined for you. Next week, we are watching the very first pilot episode of American Gods. So you want to be ready for that. To start us off, We'll give you a quick synopsis. So here we go. You've got a man who buys a farm on a whim. And one day while in the cornfields, he hears a voice, you know, the, if you build it, he will come. Yeah. That voice. So he has a vision that he needs to build a baseball diamond. So he does it. So that's when these ghosts from the 1920s show up to play baseball, right? But not everyone can see it. See, it's magic. But the voice isn't done with Kevin Costner yet. Throughout the rest of the movie, Costner, as Ray, embarks on this mystical cosmic treasure hunt. 
finally, once he follows all the breadcrumbs, he comes back home to Iowa and realizes that the ghost of his father has been playing behind home plate and he never noticed. And in that instant, everything between them is fine. It's all good. And they have a game of catch and you fade out while millions of people are showing up to watch the game. That is the movie. This is your, our, our second time watching this, at least. What do you think about it overall on this viewing? It was still just as boring as I remembered. What? I, I was so bored. Oh my God, I can't believe that. What'd you think? Okay, some of the magic was lost this time. Okay. I will say that. Um, you know, I was watching it. I still 100% cried at all the moments when I cried. But I really liked uh, the couple this time around watching it. I thought like, holy shit. I don't know too many couples who would be okay with all of this. Yeah, like they almost lose their farm. That's pretty... <laughs> it's pretty bad. Yeah. And so when I was watching, I was like, Annie is like the coolest wife ever. To be like, yeah, just go. It's fine. We almost... We'll almost lose where we live. Our child won't have a place to play or have a bedroom. It's fine. Yeah, she's very easygoing. But I, I think that's part of it. Like, for me... There's a lot to that I can objectively say I can see why people love this movie. So what did you actually like? I know you thought it was boring. Was there something you liked? Objectively, you know, the 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 writing seemed fine. Uh the the filmmaking was, you know, good. The acting was good. Like objectively, there's a lot of things that I can understand that people liked. Okay. But like personally, no, nothing like again, like the lot of things were objectively good about this movie. Like if I was a teacher and I was giving it a grade, I couldn't give it less than a B. That's fair. I think this is a B, B plus movie. Yeah, exactly. I don't don't think this is after watching it this time. I don't think Field of Dreams is an A. No, but it's definitely like it does not deserve a C. It's it's, way better than a C. And I realized this time watching it, it is like super emotionally manipulative. (laughs) Like I was watching it going, oh, shit, this scene with the father. Oh, the scene when he's uh, his daughter falls. When the 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 ghost is talking about his wife and zero emotions from me at any point. Okay, I felt like. Okay, they really want me to care right now, and I do. See, maybe that maybe it was just so obvious how much they want you to care. I didn't care at any point about anything, about any one of these characters at all. I will say what I didn't like about it this time. Okay. Okay? Because I want I want us to like go through this. So, yeah. My thing I didn't like was once he went to see Terrence Mann, the James Earl Jones writer character, how easy it seemed for him after that. Like the, if you build it, he will come and he sees the vision and then he realizes it's Terrence man. And he's got to go and convince him once he is on board with it. They find everything else really easily magic wise. I felt like that the whole movie, but it is magic. So I think that's the point. Yeah, sure. I, that's just the point I didn't like about it. Like when they went in, they found moonlight Graham I felt like, wow, I, I really feel like he struggled to figure out Terrence Mann, but this Moonlight Graham thing was just an afterthought and they threw it in. I felt like that kind of the whole way, including Terrence Mann. Like, I don't know, like the whole thing felt very like, 
okay, he's going to hallucinate and listen to his hallucinations and they keep leading him to things just working out for him magically. There was a lot of things just working out. And and I and I felt like that the whole way through the movie and I didn't like it. I didn't like how that felt. I didn't like those aspects of things. I don't know. I just the movie felt like they took you on this journey. They wanted you to feel things. I didn't feel it at things at any point because it didn't feel earned. I don't want to be sexist, but I'm going to ask a sexist question anyway. Go for it. Guys have really complicated relationships with their fathers. And I know you do too, but do you think that because you're a girl and most men really identify this. I mean, there's a plot line on how I met your mother where the guys are all like really broken up that Robin doesn't like the movie and basically thinks it's boring <laughs> because it's about ghost ghost baseball players. Do you think that there is a, a guy girl barrier with this film? I don't know. Like, honestly, I have a really complicated relationship with my father and so that aspect of it, I think I can really like, um, I can understand, but it felt when he talked about his dad, when he talked about his relationship with his dad, I guess I just did it. It felt really contrived. It felt really stereotypical and it didn't feel like real. None of this movie felt that's, real. That's it. That is, I think my, like my relationship with my father, um, is all good. But sometimes I make up these things where I'm like, oh, we have a complicated relationship or I never want to be like him or whatever. But really, things are fine. I just feel like they're not sometimes. But I think that's really normal for anyone. But I also agree with you that I think that's kind of contrived. And the same can be said about Ray. He was a young man who fought his father because that's what young men do. And he never got a chance to say goodbye. Yeah, and and that I can understand. I guess the movie just didn't... I think the whole movie relies too heavily on magic and nothing is earned and therefore I don't respect it. Also, me as an individual, I don't like baseball. Yeah, see, I feel like there's way less baseball than, than I think you do. Because I really think it's more about... Oh, it's totally... There's not that much baseball. But I, right. All, all I guess I'm saying is the, the field and what it stands for and this concept of everything that baseball does, I, I just... I really am uninterested by the topic... So anytime they talk about it, I'm really bored. Okay. And I felt like all the characters were really two-dimensional, all of them. Even, even like James Earl Jones and you didn't like Annie and Ray as a couple. I'm not saying I didn't like anything. I just felt like everything felt stereotypical. Everything felt two-dimensional. Everything felt like magic. I don't know. I didn't... They didn't make me think anything was real and therefore I checked out. And I think that's the, that's the, and I don't know that it's a girl thing or a guy thing, but I will say that me personally as a female, I happen to not really like baseball, but I also know lots of girls who are really into that stuff. Totally. And I did watch this movie. Uh, one of the times I've watched, I've watched this movie like five times. 
One of the times I watched this movie was with Becky, and she did get emotionally involved, almost as emotionally, almost as emotionally involved as me. As you know, I'm a big suck. So I cry at the Pokemon movie. So obviously I'm tear jerking it up, but she did cry too. Now this viewing, I was laying on the couch. She was making Sunday dinner and she was just listening to me whimper from another room. But you know, I, I don't know. I still had that emotional connection. Now the places I had it earlier, I didn't have it this time. I had it only really at the end with the father and when the father got introduced to the grand granddaughter, that was the only time right. that really affected me this time. So it's interesting because as you get older, more like different parts affect you differently. Yeah, I could totally see that. Well, I, I'll say one scene that I hated yep. was when the little girl falls and chokes. Yeah, I feel like that's a really manipulative scene. But it, it wasn't manipulative because I'm like he pats her on the back. He doesn't even give her the Heimlich maneuver. I mean, come on. Yeah, it was like full on just a smack on the back. And everybody's all like upset for what? For like, I don't, I I totally didn't understand how or why the scene mattered. I don't understand why the brother's still there and standing up after that. He threw her down and knocked her off the bleacher. The shit, man. Yeah, like I'd be angry at him. I'd be so angry at the brother. They're they're just so I don't know they're so they're too laid back. Yeah, I don't know the the movie just didn't it was too magic. I didn't believe it. Okay, I still enjoy it. I'm giving it about a B. I I'll give it a B, but in terms of how much I enjoyed it, like a, it's an objective B for you. Yeah, it's an objective B. My personal enjoyment an F. <sighs> wow. If I like, it took me three viewings to get through this. I can't believe that. I dreaded. I had this feeling of dread in my stomach every time I had to come back to it to finish it for this segment. I, I can't wait. I okay. can't wait to do another one where yeah, you don't like a movie. Let's do another one and make sure it's one that you like and I don't. Yeah, because I think that was part of it is going into a movie. That you know you don't like already. Yeah, and it's, it's hard, hard to be objective. I get it. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to do that next week, though. We're going to watch American Gods, the, the, the first Let's episode. have some fun with some gods and some Neil Gaiman. Yeah, Neil Gaiman. Uh, I'm I'm pretty pumped for this. It's on Stars or Amazon Prime if you're in uh, in Canada. Um, or you can probably find it other ways. I'm sure you are all smart people and you'll figure it out. And that's our show. Thank you so much for stopping by and listening. Be sure to tune in again next week. If you'd like to help support the show, we'd really appreciate it. All you have to do is hop on iTunes or any podcast service that you use. Give us a quick rating or review. Guys, it really helps us grow the show. Bensound.com is where we get our intro song from. And we encourage you to check out our show notes for more information about our music, our talented voice actors, and the sound effects. Ivana and I love hearing from you, so please don't be a stranger. You can reach us on our website at morethemovies.net. Email us hello at morethemovies.net. Find us on Facebook at More Than Movies Podcast. Catch us on Twitter. I'm at It's Ivana. I'm at Jester J. Thank you so much for spending time with us again. We'll be back next Monday with an all new episode. And until next time, friends, do more and watch more. (laughs) 